0: Welcome to the Grace at a Glance podcast from Grace Church of Lyditz and Grace Creative. We are a Jesus church where the gospel is central, where we love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. Thanks for joining us. My name's Mike, I'm one of the pastors. If I don't know you already, welcome. So good to worship with you guys together this morning. Many of you probably noticed this Jesus sign here and are wondering why the heck is it not uh, fully lit up. It's not because we lost the light bulbs. It's actually because we are lighting a bulb for every person who puts their faith in Jesus. And so far this fiscal year, we've had 23 people put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so we are lighting bulbs for each one. That's exciting. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, we had another gentleman put his faith in Jesus. And uh, you're going to hear a little more about that next week on Easter Sunday. But we're excited. We have either 94 or 96 slots total. And we're just going to keep lighting bulbs each time somebody puts their faith in Christ just to celebrate what God is doing. So that's, that's the Jesus sign this morning. We're in a series called The Disciple. And we have been talking about what a disciple is and does What a disciple of Jesus Christ is and does. And and the formula, what we've said is, and what we've asked you to memorize is that a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus to become like Jesus, and participates in the mission of Jesus. And the, the formula for that is D equals FTP, disciple equals follows Jesus, transformed by Jesus, and participates in the mission of Jesus And today we're going to talk about, we're going to wrap up the series today, last sermon of the series, we're going to talk about bearing fruit as a disciple by staying connected to Him. Because as disciples of Jesus, we are called to bear righteous fruit in our lives. That's one of the the things that our lives should do is bear righteous fruit, fruit of righteousness. And so I want to start by asking you the question this morning, is your life bearing fruit? righteous fruit? For some of us, that's a hard question, and there's no judgment here. But I think we should ask that this morning. Is your life bearing righteous fruit? When I was a kid, my parents would always put on these huge fireworks displays on the 4th of July, and my dad would invite, it felt like half the neighborhood, but I was just a kid, so it was probably a few dozen people from the neighborhood, and they would come, and friends and and family members would come, and my dad and his close friends would get this enormous box of fireworks. I remember the box being just uh, huge. Now, I was little, so maybe it was, maybe it was relative, but this box was filled with fireworks and they would do this big display and, and everybody would watch and we'd eat chips and, and just enjoy this amazing fireworks display. But on July 4th of 1986, something very bad happened during the fireworks display. See, they, they had put the box off to the side and they had a piece of plywood over here where they were launching the fireworks, but the box was not far enough away that year and somehow a spark flew into the box of fireworks and fireworks started lighting inside the box. And so mortar shells and pony balls and roaming candle shells are flying out of this box, left and right in all directions. And so, and this is a true story, by the way, I don't I don't make this stuff up. You couldn't make this stuff up. No, it's this really happened. It's one of my earliest memories, actually, as a child. It's traumatic. And so, everybody is running in all directions, just running away from this exploding fireworks box. And I remember distinctly that this very eccentric neighbor lady screamed, run for your lives! Just to add that to the mix, you know, she just felt like that would be a good thing to say. (laughs) Seriously, that's what she said. And I remember my mom, scooping me up and running under the deck, and we sat down there under the deck, and we watched as these fireworks are just flying out in all directions, and my dad and his friends, we had an above-ground pool at, at the time, and my dad ran, and he got the hose, and he's trying to, to, to get water into the box without getting too close so he doesn't get shot and burned, And and another couple of guys are grabbing buckets full of water from the pool and trying to, to splash them. But no matter what they did, no matter how hard they tried, they just couldn't fix it. It was completely out of control. They couldn't stop it. No matter how hard they tried, it just kept going. And they felt like there was nothing they could do. And then eventually the grass caught fire and it started burning into the neighbor's yard and, and my dad's trying to hose the grass and fireworks are still flying. And they just had to wait until the fireworks were all done and they burned out and praise God, no one got hurt. But sometimes our lives feel like that. Sometimes our lives feel like that, that Our thoughts and our actions feel out of control that no matter how hard we try to stop doing something that we know is wrong or or to do something that we know is right, we just feel like no matter how much effort we put in, we just can't do it. Like it's out of control. And sometimes we just feel like we cannot get our relationship with God where we want it to be no matter what we do. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe, maybe you tend to get angry and you, you want so badly to stop and you've even tried really hard to stop, but it just keeps happening. Or maybe it's rude comments to your spouse or your family members and, and, and you, you feel bad after you say things, but, but it just keeps happening. Maybe it's an addiction to pornography or lust in your mind. Maybe it's gossiping about other people or whatever it is that happens in your life and you know it's wrong and you want to get it under control, but it just keeps going. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you're there right now. Or maybe it's not a certain sin issue. Maybe it's just your relationship with God in general that you know where you want it to be, but you just can't seem to get it there. You want to be close with the Lord, but no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, It doesn't feel like something you can control. And sometimes our spiritual lives, we know where we want to be, but we just can't seem to make it happen. And so today, we're going to look at the Bible in John chapter 15. And we're going to ask the question, how does the disciple of Jesus bear righteous fruit? how does the disciple of Jesus bear righteous fruit? How do we succeed at living the way that God desires in John chapter 15? Now, this is Jesus talking throughout this chapter and it's Jesus talking to his disciples shortly after the Last Supper. And in John 15:1, he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus uses a plant metaphor, and he's probably referring to a grapevine because that was very common in that region, in that time. And Jesus is saying that he is the vine and you and I are the branches. And the fruit is the righteousness, the goodness produced by the Holy Spirit in our lives from the inside out. Jesus is talking about the fruit of righteousness, that as we remain in him, our lives produce goodness. We see this fruit described a couple of places in the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. In Ephesians 5, 9, he also mentions this. He says, the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, I stopped at Stauffers this week, and I was looking for a grapevine because that's what Jesus is talking about, and I thought, how cool would it be if I could hold a grapevine up here and, like, illustrate? And I went, and they actually have them. Stauffers has everything. I love that place but the grapevine looked like a stick in dirt. And I thought, that's not going to work. So I got a strawberry plant. Because, you know, strawberries are viney, and they produce strawberries, which most of us like. You know, strawberries are delicious. And so, just like a strawberry plant, our lives produce goodness only when we're connected to the vine. Only when we're connected. But instead of roots planted in soil, our lives are planted in the spiritual nutrients that flow from Jesus. That's the difference with this metaphor. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. So the Father prunes us. What does it mean to prune something? I think most of us know what it means. It it means to clip off part of the branches, right? That's what it means to prune. I'm probably doing it wrong, I know. But I'm pruning nonetheless, right or wrong, I'm pruning. See, for the disciple, pruning isn't easy. Pruning's not easy for the disciple. God allows hard things to happen in our lives. And these things often make us into who we're supposed to be. Now, I do not believe that God is the author of every tragedy. I don't believe that. I don't believe that, that God causes everything to happen in this life. Look at the war in Ukraine. There is no way that a God who is love causes everything. Sin causes things. But God often allows things to happen in our life that he uses to prune us and to shape us and to produce righteousness. When life is painful, God wants to use the pain for your transformation. He wants to use hard things to produce righteousness in you. Jesus says, my father is the gardener. See, he knows what he's doing and we can trust him. God knows what he's doing when life is hard. Maybe you're in a hard place right now. Maybe there's something happening in your life. Maybe it's a health crisis or someone that you care about is experiencing some health concerns. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or the death of a dream in your life. Maybe it's just confusion about your future. Maybe it's depression or anxiety or or a difficult marriage or some other painful loss in your life. God uses pain to make us who we're called to be. And it's worth it. It's worth it. As I look back at my life, every heartbreaking season that I've ever been in, and I'm sure you've been through stuff too, has not felt worth it in the moment. But as I fast forward five or 10 years and I look back and I say, God, thank you so much for making me into who you've made me to be through that pain. Because God knows what he's doing when life is hard. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. And in verse 3, Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus is saying, your sins have been cleansed. Spiritually, you have received the perfect righteousness of Christ if you've put your faith in him and received the Holy Spirit. Now, his disciples hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet, but they had believed in the word that he had said, and so therefore they were spiritually cleansed. Faith in Jesus has cleansed you. It's removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, the scriptures say. That he will remember your sins no more. That doesn't just mean the ones in your past. It means the ones in your present. You've been made clean spiritually. And this is a critical prerequisite for what comes next. This is a critical prerequisite for what comes next because in verse 4, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. See, we're now cleansed by him to live in nearness with him. We're cleansed by him for the purpose of having a relationship with him. That's the purpose of our being cleansed. The purpose of your being cleansed is not that you get to live in heaven someday and see your family. That's Nice and great, but the glory of heaven is Jesus. It's a relationship with God, and you're cleansed for the purpose of that relationship right now. You and I needed spiritual cleansing before we could enjoy a vibrant relationship with Jesus. That's the purpose. And we're clean now, despite your failures, regardless of the ways that you have messed up, you are cleansed. You're freed to be close to Him. You are already clean. Jesus says. But if we're not living from that truth, if we're not living from the gospel, if we're not seeing ourselves the way that God sees us, then we can hold God at arm's length because of shame, because of fear, or because of lies that we believe in our lives. The enemy of your soul whispers, you're not clean. He whispers, you're a spiritual failure. But he is a liar, and the father of lies. Jesus says you are already clean. And No one is too messed up for the gospel. And in our confusion, we can feel like we don't have control in our spiritual lives. We just can't seem to get our spiritual life where we want it to be. And so like a branch not connected to the vine... We can hold God at arm's length and sabotage the very power that we receive to bear the fruit of righteousness. Because we're not engaging in a vibrant relationship with the vine. But when we put our faith in Christ, every sin is washed away. Every sin is washed away, you're clean, not because of your ability to manage your sin well or to avoid sin, but simply because of your faith in the word of Jesus. But lies can sabotage that relationship and sabotage the very power that gives us the ability to be transformed. And that doesn't give us a license to sin but it says that when we focus on managing the, the, the fruit, like I'm just trying so hard to do what's right and not do what's wrong, and, and we, we don't fix our lives on the relationship with the vine, then, then we miss the point. And there's no power there. In verse 3, Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also Remain in you. The ESV says abide in me. I love that word abide. It means to continually be present with and in. To live in union with Jesus. Because disciples nurture a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Disciples nurture a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Because bearing the fruit of righteousness is the natural result of a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Bearing fruit is a natural result of of staying connected to the vine. Disciples don't have to strive for righteousness. If I'm contending for righteous living, if I'm striving, then I'm I'm missing the point because we don't bear fruit by striving. If you remain in me and I in you, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit. And so our focus, our fixation, our obsession must be to abide in Jesus. Jesus. To be close to him. To love him. Because disciples nurture a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And that's what it means to stay connected to the vine. Or the cherry bush. Strawberry bush. Look, I'm making a mess up here. See, connection to Jesus is the wind that fills the sails of life change. It's the natural spring that fuels the river of transformation in your life. Is connection to Jesus. The gospel of love is sourced in a relationship with him. In verse 6, he goes on, he says, If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Disciples bear the fruit of righteousness. Disciples bear the fruit of righteousness. Our lives show that we are disciples of Jesus. As God produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As our lives produce goodness, righteousness, and truth. In verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, now remain in my love. This word that he uses for as in the original language, as the Father has loved me, it means to the same degree, in the same proportion. It it means that God the Father, who had lived in perfect relationship with Jesus the Son from eternity past, before time began, perfect relationship, And Jesus lived in absolute harmony with the Father. That the Father's love for Jesus, just imagine. It's outrageous. It's incredible. It's immeasurable. And Jesus loves you to that same degree. It's perfect. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. It's magnificent. It's unfathomable. It's outrageous that his love for you knows no boundaries. His affection for you is fierce. His desire for you is unrelenting. And Jesus says, now remain in my love. Now remain in my love. Abide. So how do we bear fruit? How how do we become more like Jesus? By staying connected to the vine that is Jesus, by focusing our lives on this one relationship, on this one love. Because righteous fruit happens not as we focus on the fruit, not as we struggle and strive to live right, but as we remain in His love and God does the work in our lives. God bears the fruit as we abide in His love. When I was 18 years old, My best friend's name was Steve, and he and I are still great friends. He lives in Illinois, where I grew up. And we were, he was a a drug dealer, and I've shared a bit about my story with you guys, that we were um, very similar in our teenage years. And he was a drug dealer, and he sold some ecstasy one night to another friend of ours. And we were hanging out at Steve's apartment, and that friend ate seven pills that night. And at about 11.30, I left and I went home. And they all stayed there. And as the night went on, this friend of ours started to experience symptoms of overdose. And finally, he started to have convulsions and he stopped breathing. And Steve was there with him and tried to do CPR and finally called the paramedics. But our friend was gone. Died that night. And Steve got arrested ended up spending 15 months in the state penitentiary. And that night when he went to jail, he put his faith in Jesus. And the next day, he got bailed out by his dad, waiting for his court proceedings. And we, I remember we walked around in the rain. He called me and asked me to come over. We walked around in the rain, and he was a completely different person. He was changed. All he wanted to talk about was Jesus. All he wanted was for me to understand the gospel. And, and he, he, was, he was so different overnight. Now, a new believer, very imperfect, just like you and me. But his heart was so focused on his relationship with Jesus. Jesus was all he cared about, and I could tell that, and we walked around in the rain for over an hour, and my friend Steve was a changed man, and his relationship with God was alive. And therefore, goodness, righteousness, and truth were flowing from his life, not because of a struggle to obey, but because overnight when he put his faith in Jesus, he gained a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And on November 19th of 2000, my friend Steve led me to the Lord and radically changed the trajectory of my life because of the righteousness, goodness, and truth flowing out of his. And Steve led dozens of our friends to the Lord in the years that followed. See, disciples bear the fruit of righteousness By staying connected to a relationship with Jesus. And righteousness flows from that relationship of love. So maybe you're in this place this morning, and maybe like like many, you feel like you just can't get your relationship with God where you want it to be. Just feels like no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you just can't control it. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, and you're realizing that because the Holy Spirit is convicting you that now is the time to say yes to the gospel, to say yes to the Jesus who died in your place and rose from the dead so that you could have freedom and a relationship restored with God. And so this morning, wherever you are, I'm inviting you to say yes to the Holy Spirit, to say yes to Jesus, And to take a step, and that doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. What it means is that you are going to say yes to beginning to focus on a relationship with the God who loves you just as much as he loves his own son, Jesus. So let's bow our heads together, and we're going to pray a simple prayer this morning. I'm going to lead us in in a, a simple prayer. For those of us who are in this room, And we just cannot seem to get our relationship with God where we want it to be. But we sense the Holy Spirit inviting us this morning to take a step and to say yes and to begin focusing on a vibrant relationship of love with the God who loves us so much back. God, we say yes to you this morning. We say yes. We are going to take a step forward out of lies, out of shame, out of fear, And to to fix our lives on a relationship with Jesus. And to let you do the rest, God. And for those of us in this place who've never put our faith in Jesus, never put our faith in the gospel for the first time, we say yes today. And we choose to respond to the Holy Spirit and to say, "I, I repent of my past and I say yes to the gospel of love, to the gospel of Jesus And we thank you, God, for how much you love us, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, we want to know if you made a decision for Jesus this morning. If you said yes to God in any way this morning, whether it's to a a more vibrant relationship or it's putting your faith in Jesus for the first time, I want to invite you to grab that yes card in the seat back in front of you and just let us know. You can drop it in the box on your way back, and we're going to continue worshiping together this morning hosting for this podcast has been brought to you by anchor from spotify our intro and outro song is creative mind by ben sound from all of us here at grace church thanks for listening we'll see you next week